OpenServe is more than just SA's largest telecoms infrastructure provider. It's the answer to new ways of doing business, a connection to cutting-edge technology and infinite possibilities. A connection to tomorrow. Connect with us at openserve.coza. This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 236 for the week starting 30 September 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. You can WhatsApp the show on 71 On Talk Central this week, Spectrum licensing gets into high gear. Also this week, Facebook in major security breach, should we be worried? Africa has a new undersea cable, and Microsoft is building an operating system for robots. Mm, it's starting to take over. It's Sunday, it's 1 p.m., and it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? I believe you're having a gaming weekend. Yeah, I know. It's been uh, one of those weeks. So I just had to uh, set some time aside, and uh, Scum is still consuming almost all of my free time, which is <laughs> fantastic. It's a, uh, it's absolutely beautiful game. Nothing um, like a bit of running physically around. Physically beautiful and. Yeah, and because it's so difficult, right? It, it's the, it the stakes difficult? are high. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can't just uh, easily respawn and get your stuff back. So it, it's you build up to a level, and it's you know you don't want to lose <laughs> lose that position. You know, if you have all your stock, uh, all your stuff in your backpack. Sort of so, thing. are you off PUBG now? No, no, I still do PUBG in between everything because PUBG is a much faster pace game. You know, yes. so even even playing Scum, every now and then you do want a little bit faster pace action. Yes. Um, similar concept, but. Totally different games. Yes, yes. And you're, and you're the Witcher time? Is that, has, have you had any more <laughs> I, Witcher time? I haven't had much Witcher time this week, but I'm still thoroughly enjoying the game, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, quite a few years old now, but the graphics are still spectacular, mm. and uh, it's a great story. Um, but I, I'm so busy, I, um, it's probably going to take me a year to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I find it so difficult for these single-player storyline games. Mm. Um, they're fantastic, but man, they do consume time. Yeah, yeah. I was having a look at the um, the demo for the uh, – not the demo, the um, uh, the uh, videos for the new uh, Red Dead Redemption, which is coming to console. Oh, yeah. That looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, the mechanics believe, of the horse and the artificial intelligence built into the game. Just, yeah, just mind-blowing. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's only console, and I don't play console games. Yeah, I agree. But they are definitely bringing it to PC. I mean, I would Eventually. put money on that. I would put money on that. Yeah, definitely. But um, Might be a year or two, though. Yeah, but then we'll, get a, then we'll get a fully polished game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there won't be any bugs to deal with. But yeah, it's, uh, it, might be worth, it might be worth uh, borrowing an Xbox and, and getting some time in on that. Yeah. Although Rockstar Games, uh, I remember when they brought GTA V to PC about uh, two years after it was available on console, mm. there were so many bugs and so many updates that they released. Um, I'm, you know, I must have downloaded tens of gigabytes of updates over the years yeah, to GTA yeah. V. So um, not won't necessarily but, be st- yeah. <laughs> a finished product <laughs> when it launches on Windows. But I'm, yeah, I'm, they've got a few more years under the belt now, so I'm yeah. sure they. You know, this this is the biggest title that they've launched yet. I mean, rivaling GTA definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, they won't mess it up, I would believe. Mm, let's hope not. But speaking <laughs> of games, speaking of games, next week is of course Rage time again. Oh, can't wait! Absolutely uh, can't wait. You're going to be there. Should we record the show from Rage again this year? Yeah, I think we should. It's always a lot of fun. The vibe and the energy there is amazing. 
Um, so, yeah, definitely. I okay. think let's do it. Let's make a plan then. So uh, next week's Talk Central, probably brought to you from Rage at the Northgate Dome here in Johannesburg. Um, what are you expecting at the show? show? Anything, uh, anything interesting? Apart from the latest games, mm, yeah, look, I'm always there for the hardware. That's always a thing that really gets me. Um, so yeah, there's a few cool things that I can't talk about that I know of. Um, you know, oh come too on, major, but drop, drop a really few, cool <laughs> drop a few secrets. <laughs> you know you wanna. <laughs> no, I, I want to keep working with the right people. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair no, enough. it's going to be. But like, like always, you know, the gaming side of things is very exciting. Um, you know, just just to kind of get get all these geeks together i mean that's for me has always been yeah. what makes rage a fantastic event yeah kind of the end of the year blast you know kind of get all the people together have a good time see some games play some games spend some money yeah <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a good one and all the cosplay of course um last year oh, yeah. was uh, was quite uh, quite interesting to walk through that section of the dome mm. and um i i suspect that it's going to be even bigger this year Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, cosplay is definitely what what makes it. I mean, if you if you look at that whole community too of cosplayers and and board gamers, I mean, it's 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 what we grew up with, but it was a lot less um, out, out in the open. You know, these kind of the culture now is is such a thing that it's 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 standalone kind of event. Yeah. Where when we grew up with all this geekery, it was we were confined to households and bras, basically. Yes. Yes. Um, well, maybe we'll get one or two of these cosplayers to uh, come on the show next week if we can corner them. Oh yeah, definitely. Ask them about their outfits, but that's next week. Let's uh, let's deal with this week's show, and there is quite a bit of news to talk about this week. Uh, but before we get to all of that, let's do our quiz. The first question in this week's quiz: The sex cable went live this week with commercial traffic. Which two countries does it directly connect? Huawei will launch a new flagship smartphone in October to compete directly with Samsung's Galaxy Note Nine and Apple's iPhone XS Max. What is it called? How much has the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission fined Elon Musk for tweets saying that he had secured the funds to take Tesla private at $420 a share? And which role must Musk relinquish within 45 days as part of the SEC settlement? Sure, yeah, it's quite a big one. Eh? And uh, the last question, which South African retailer this week released an update to its smartphone app that allows for in-app shopping and checking availability for stock in-store? That's uh, also a pretty exciting one. It is quite cool. I've downloaded the app, but I haven't, um, I haven't played with it yet. Have you, have you used it? Not at all, but... Uh if you can do all, if you can check stock, I mean that's a pretty big thing. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know the integration of it is allows you to do so many more things beyond that, which mm-hmm. I'm finding all always exciting. Great. Well, the answers to the quiz at the end of the show, as always. But let's uh, jump into this week's news. And without doubt, the big news this week, Rehart, was the um, announcement uh, or the publication by the Minister of Telecommunications and Postal Services, Siabonga Kwele, of the uh, draft policy direction to ICASA on the allocation licensing of high-demand radio frequency spectrum. Finally, we have some progress of years of talking about this. Um, things are happening, and uh, not not only that, but within the draft policy direction was a uh, copy of the long-awaited CSIR report, which has been a bit of a state secret until now. Uh, I've still got to go through that report in, in, a, in more detail, but basically it sets out which spectrum bans the planned wholesale open access network that the government wants to build with the private sector investments, mm. uh, how much spectrum it's going to get access to. And uh, the CSIR has made a, a recommendation that it get um, spectrum sufficient to service 20% market share or 10 million customers to start. 
um, which sounds a bit ambitious, but uh, maybe mm. they'll get there. Uh, and the minister has concurred with that and said ICASA must um, look to um, license spectrum sufficient to be able to serve that quantity of the market. So they have proposed licensing uh, spectrum in both the 800 megahertz, which of course is still being used by TV broadcasters, and uh, 2.6 gigahertz bands to the mobile op- to the WoAN rather. So there'll be two. Um, uh, sets of frequency at 2.6 gigahertz. I don't have the numbers in front of me at the moment, but I think it was 2 by 20 or 2 by 25. Yeah, it was 2 by 25 at 800 and 2 by 20 at 2.6. And there was another at 2.6. There was paired and unpaired spectrum. 20, 25 at 2.6, yeah, band 38, unpaired. Band 38, unpaired. Okay. So they're getting quite a big chunk of the 2.6 gigahertz band. I'm not sure how big the 2.6 gigahertz band actually is. Um, I, I think it's, it is fairly, a fairly significant uh, chunk of frequency spectrum. I think it, I, I, I'm... I could be mistaken, but I think it basically runs for about – I really could be corrected here, but I think it's about 190 megahertz of spectrum. So mm. there should be quite a bit left over for uh, – if I'm if I'm right with that figure, which I might not be, uh, there could be a, quite a lot of spectrum left over for licensing to um, the, the likes of MTN and Vodacom and other operators that are interested in participating in what's, whatever mm-hmm. process ECASA decides to follow to license that spectrum, which I strongly suspect is going to be a radio frequency spectrum auction. Uh, that was certainly the, the plan that they had back in 2016 when the minister took ICASA to court saying you can't proceed with the invitation to apply. So um, the plan is to license Spectrum not only at 2.6 but also, as we mentioned, at 800 and also at 700 megahertz. Of course, both the 800 and 700 megahertz bands are both used by TV broadcasters at the moment. Uh, and the digital migration project needs to be finished off before the operators can start to use that. However, there does seem to be some progress happening in digital migration. Uh, the head of the, the digital migration pro- project management office, Eldred Dreyer, knows what he's doing, in my view. And I think we could see um, we could see that project starting to pick up a bit of steam. Um, I think they're still talking about uh, getting this project done by the end of next year, which I think is ambitious. Mm. Um, I think we, that may still be pushed out into 2020. Um, but I think we are starting to, to progress. So maybe by early into the new decade, uh, finally the operators will get access to the 700 and 800 megahertz bands and can start to roll out um, the 4G networks, which uh, <laughs> which they've been rolling out on their 2G and 3G spectrum to, uh, mm. up to this point. But it's all quite exciting, and I think that I think that, um, I think that uh, uh, you know while there's still a hell of a lot of work to do, and um, as I kept repeating in last week's episode, the devil is in the detail. We, um, I think it's encouraging that the president has become involved in this. Sir Ramaphosa is clearly driving this, and he's directed his Minister of Telecommunications to get on with the process of licensing spectrum and not wait for the, uh, wait for the um, legislative amendments, which are winding their way very slowly through the uh, through the system and, and are very likely still to be challenged in court by the operators. So... Um, yeah, um, you know, it's a microcosm, um, but uh, certainly the president seems to be doing the right things in the ICT space. And um, my view is that if um, he can um, achieve similar things across uh, other industries, then um, it's, it augurs well for our economic development and a turnaround in our economy. And this is certainly so key to that. I mean, technology in general is, is key to to getting that for this country. And we need the leadership now, like we're hopefully seeing from the president, to push the, the technology to, to mm-hmm. get the stuff, you know, launched and off the ground. Yeah. 
What I find ironic about all of this, of course, is we've basically gone back to the same position that we were in back in 2016 when ICASA wanted to go ahead with this ITA. ICASA reserved a chunk of spectrum for the WAWAN and and wanted to auction off the remaining spectrum. Um, So in effect, we've wasted two years because the minister was... um, um, can't think of a nicer way of putting it. He was buggering around for two years. Mm. Uh, and um, it's two wasted years of opportunity cost. Um, in effect, we're back in the same position that we were in 2016, and ICAS is going to go ahead with the process as mm. before. We just The OON is probably going to get a different spectrum because of the CSIR report and what they've re- yeah. re- recommended. But at the end of the day... Um, we're back. We're back to back to where we were in 2016. But at least we're moving forward again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, two years is a long time if you think about technology terms. I mean, you know, how many new iPhones have come out since then? It's yeah. we can't waste time like this going forward, especially no. when it comes to tech stuff. We are so far behind. I mean, it's it's scandalous that we have not. Um, specifically allocated spectrum for 4G LTE yet when the rest of the world is now starting to move on to 5G. So mm-hmm. let's just get the spectrum allocated, get the broadcasters, get this DTT pro- project finished once and for all, uh, and, uh, and, and, and let's get the spectrum allocated. And then immediately let's start looking at f- allocating 5G spectrum as well um, in the 3.5 gigahertz band particularly. Um, I don't think we should wait for that because mm. we, we have we got so far behind in the 4G process and, and, and you know, all the nonsense that went on. Uh, we can't afford the, to have this again. So, you know, in parallel or very soon after, let's license 3.5 gigahertz to operators so they can roll out 5G. Yeah, 100% agreed. So, but anyway, it's good news. It's good news. And um, uh, let's hope there are no further hiccups. Um, the, the, the potential for further hiccups is there, of course. Uh, we've got an election coming up next year. Um, mm. The president hinting it's going to happen before May next year. So the country's going to be in election mode very soon. Um, uh, and after the election, I expect that the cabinet is going to be reduced in size. Ramaphosa has already said he's planning to do that. And it's it's very likely that the Department of Communications and the Department of Telecommunications and Postal Services are going to be remerged. Um, that's a good thing, but it may mean a new minister. Um, it may it may take uh, these two ministries, um, the bureaucrats within these two ministries, eyes off the ball while they're trying to figure out exactly how they're going to reintegrate. Um, and there is a worry that uh, that could impact on the timelines that we're looking at here. So let's hope that at least before the election happens, the spectrum is allocated for 4G. Um, and that, uh, and then we can move on on from there. I think the remerger of the departments is absolutely has to happen. It was a really stupid idea by President Zuma to uh, to um, break them up in the first place, and it seemed to be related to um, controlling the SABC. Um, and let's hope that after the election, the right minister is appointed to um, to oversee this. But it's amazing how quickly the minister is moving now. I mean, they were dawdling along, doing very little at all for a very long time. And now clearly there's pressure being brought by President Ramaphosa. And um, it's it's amazing how quickly DTPS and Minister Thuele have actually started to move here. We weren't expecting this. Um, we weren't expecting this draft um, uh, policy uh, to come out just literally a few days after announcements were made that um, they were going to be doing this. So clearly the, the pressure's on, and that's good news. Yeah, will certainly is a very strong thing, isn't it? Where there's a will, <laughs> there's a way. It's yeah. just we haven't seen enough of this in government. And and leadership, it just shows that leadership is so important. Mm. Um, having the right leader at the top telling the telling his ministers what they need to do and getting, yeah. telling them to get it done. Um but uh, it'll be interesting to see who takes over as the Minister of ICT or whatever the department gets called 
post the next election. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would uh, wager that uh, neither of the two incumbents, Siabongo um, Tkwele or Nomvulo uh, Mokanyani, should be the person to be running that portfolio. Yeah. But uh, who knows? We'll have to see what happens. Hopefully somebody that's tech-savvy too, mm-hmm. very tech-savvy. I mean, that's also an important uh, yeah. trait. Maybe they'll reshuffle Butterbile Lamini into the role. <laughs> 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 now, hopefully she's ejected from the cabinet very soon. That was a, a bit of an embarrassing situation this week where mm. she was ordered by the Constitutional Court to pay 20% of the legal costs associated with the um, court action related to the social grants payments. Um, and uh, there's mounting pressure on the president to get rid of her. But yep. uh, she, I think she's quite influential within the organization, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But Spectrum, exciting stuff, and um, going to be lots to unpack in the weeks and, and months ahead as this um, as the story begins to develop. Let's, uh, let's move on and um, look at an international story, and that is the news which broke yesterday about Facebook. Uh, suffering a major security breach. It's been described as the largest security breach in the social network's history. Um, and uh, they, they issued a blog statement, uh, a blog post, uh, in which they basically said they don't know a lot about exactly what's happened yet. But um, 50 million or more Facebook accounts may have been compromised um, through this breach by one or more hackers. Uh, and uh, they do, Facebook has said they don't know wha- what the hacker or hackers were trying to do with this information, um, but they were able to get onto people's Facebook profiles through, I think, something called tokens. Um, so they they didn't have they didn't have passwords, but they were able to use that um, uh, technology that allows you to be persistently logged into Facebook. Yeah. Um, so you know when you when you fire up your iPad, for example, and log into Facebook, or you log into Facebook on on Windows, you don't. Um, have to type your password in every time, and they were using some sort of security mm. tokens related to that. And um, the ha- the attackers were able to um, use some view my page as functionality to um, to get access to these fifty million accounts. Now it sounds very very worrying indeed, but the good news is the attackers do not have um, your password if you were mm. affected by this. And um, Facebook has already uh, addressed and fixed the issue. However, it's probably worthwhile to change your password anyway, just in case. Yeah, I'll get those cookies refreshed, as I say. But, yes. you know, you have to, I think, if you look at the bigger picture, too, I mean, how many billions of people? Uh, Facebook has a user base of About two billion, uh, what, 2.23 billion. Mm. So, you know... It's 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 not like you can ever expect these kind of things not to happen. I mean, I'm not saying Facebook. Uh, you know, Facebook obviously needs to stay ahead of these things. But with any technology, right, you will see when there's a security uh, function built in, there'll be a group of people who would try and get around it, either for fun or for purpose. Now, because Facebook obviously has virtually everybody on planet Earth on its platform, or almost everybody, um, and I say that in a jokingly way, but, you know, it's obviously going to be a big target and people are always going to find ways around, especially if because a platform is so big. And you can probably argue a bit bulky too with all of this, you know, stuff that they've built into it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. I can't believe the size of the Facebook app now. I saw on my iPad the other day that it's over 300 megabytes. Hmm. Um, Look, even, I mean, yeah. even on Android, it's big. It's something like 120 or 130 megabytes. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What Facebook, I mean, Facebook is always going to have to try and stay ahead of things. But to, you know, when it comes to people's personal info, mm. 
you know, you start messing with more than just random data. These are the people's most private pages, so yeah. if you can put it like that. Yeah. But so, yeah. Um, while passwords weren't involved, I think uh, this incident once again shows the importance of using a password manager in this day and age. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely making it very difficult. Mm. And, and also probably not posting stuff online that you wouldn't want to share with, you know, <laughs> people in general. Um, I think just that's just as a side note, you know, you don't, if you don't have any um, yeah. sensitive data out there. Yeah. Before it was even clear that um, that uh, where the passwords had been leaked in this thing, I, I simply went into Dashlane, a couple of clicks and my password was changed. And I didn't know, don't know what my old password is and I don't know what my new password is, <laughs> which is just fantastic. See, you may need to employ a hacker to find it out one day. <laughs> well, it's all secure, <laughs> securely stored. If I ever lose my master password, I might have a problem. Yeah, no, password managers, I mean, again, so it's such a fantastic technology. Um, but I do every, and, and also with two factor authentication, you know, uh, yeah. if you do ever get to a machine where you don't have access to those things, um, you know, it's still possible to get your, to yeah. retrieve your password. Yeah, it's, it's worth uh, enabling two factor authentication on everything, uh, wherever mm -hmm. it's available. I've certainly mm -hmm. enabled it on Facebook. Um, and uh, every service, Twitter, everything that I use that offers two-factor authentication, I use it. It's it's just that extra layer of security. So if um, mm. someone gets your password, they're still not going to get in. But this is also, I mean, you can also argue uh, this was a hack. Facebook's also recently done something that people have thrown their arms up in the air about, and that is they used um, cell phone numbers that was used for two-factor authentication. It was supposed to be private. Oh, my word. For targeted ads somehow. I mean, I, I don't know the details of it. But, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> who's the worst, who's the worst uh, uh, culprit here, the hackers or Facebook themselves in some ways? Yeah, well, the share price took a bit of a knock. Facebook has really not been having a good year, has it? And we've mm -hmm. got the U.S. elections coming up as well. Um, and uh, no doubt there's going to be increased scrutiny on, on this. I see Donald Trump the other day accusing China of trying to uh, meddle in the, in the U.S. elections. Whether <laughs> that's true or not, who knows? But certainly the Russians seem to have been involved in um, – in in the previous election, certainly the Demo yeah. Democrats, some Democrats seem to think that the, the Russians were instrumental in having Donald Trump put in the White House. Um, I, I, I think that should be taken with a large pinch of salt. Yeah. But uh, but certainly these um, social networks have grown to the sort of scale where um, they are facing this sort of scrutiny and probably yeah. probably rightly so. No, agreed. And uh, I mean, if you even look, I mean, they should also address stuff like their voting machines. I mean, how how many stories have you seen where the voting machines get hacked so easily? Mm. Um, it's a big bulky machine that they have over there. Um, same with Facebook as, as a company. You know, and it, you, you'll always get stuff like this, the bigger you are. I, I guess I'm just happy that we, we are able to address these things now, um, you know, while the technology is relatively still early, early in kind of humanity's progress, right? Uh, so we need to address these kind of security things. What happens? What do we do if and when, mm. you know, these type of things happen? You know, education, education to the consumer, mass consumers about using stuff like password managers and to use social media apps, mm. you know, with with some education behind it, not just to throw your entire life onto those platforms. Yeah. yeah. I used to think it might be a good idea. You, you mentioned um, um, e-voting. I used to think it might be a good idea to introduce electronic voting in South Africa. How convenient. You can just vote from your desktop. Yeah. But um, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, no, this is probably not a good idea. Um you know, if, if if there is fraud going on, it's so much more difficult to prove mm. in an electronic mm. system. Um, you know, in a democracy that is um, not nearly as mature as some Western democracies, um, I'm actually quite glad we vote on pieces of paper. 
I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, if, especially if, if, if the, the country is relatively uneducated about the technology, having technology play such a pivotal role in such a, in, in such a, uh, in, um, a voting situation. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could cause a lot of problems when the wrong people get their hands on it. And it certainly caused problems in the United States. So, and that's a, oh, yeah. that's a advanced democracy. Um, I could see the sort of thing maybe working somewhere like Liechtenstein or Switzerland <laughs> or something, but <laughs> in, uh, in, in the real world of, um, of uh, South Africa, um, uh, let's stick with pen and paper for the foreseeable future. Yeah, one, but that, that, one area where technology, I think, shouldn't be applied. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't, you know, do the back end, make it a bit more uh, streamline the process. You know, oh, introduce technology in better places. Absolutely, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back right after this. Hello, I know you're there. Look, I can see the lights of the TV. Please, I just want to watch the finale. Come on, guys, I'll give you a foot massage or anything. Time to get your own fiber. Speak to Vox, because for a limited time period, you can save up to 3,000 Rand in installation costs, and we'll send a technician to help you get set up. Hello? Go to vox.co.za. Get fiber to your home. Get free installation and activation. Open the door to endless entertainment. T's and C's apply. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehat? How's it, Duncan? So, we have a new submarine cable. This is quite exciting. Yeah, another one. Yeah, South Atlantic uh, Cable System, or SACS. This has been built by a company called Angola Cables, and it runs from um, Luanda, which is the capital of Angola, across to Fortaleza, which is um, a big cable landing station city in uh, South America. And from there, it connects to the myriad other cable systems that run um, through the Caribbean and up to North America. Uh, so this is promising the shortest direct route to the uh, U.S. Internet for uh, users in Africa, including South Africa. And it's just this week on live um, uh, for carrying commercial traffic. Um, and uh, it connects via, I think, via the WAX system in, in Luanda and then runs down uh, up and down the coast, uh, including down to Azerfontaine, just north of Cape Town. And it's promising much lower latency to the U.S. So uh, for gamers who want to play mm. with uh, gamers in the U.S. Um, or people who um, you know need low, lower latency applications to yeah. the key U.S. market, I think the arrival of this cable is fantastic news. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say the gaming side of things, uh, especially with a lot of the new games we were talking about earlier, latency is such a problem for us South Africans because there's only European servers and... A, three, a few milliseconds means, you know, the difference between a headshot or not. So, <laughs> yay for gamers, but uh, also financial industries. Um, yeah. you know, obviously, the big guys use dedicated lines with much lower latencies, but yes. uh, it's, it's, you know, having continually improving this stuff, it just makes it more accessible for, for smaller financial services industries who want access to the tech. Yeah, and it provides another diverse route uh, to the U.S. and, and to South America. Oh, yeah. um, 
we, we have diversity now on the east and west coasts. Um, we, we all know what happened when uh, the Seacom cable got chopped <laughs> a few years ago, uh, when all the ISPs were using Seacom because the other the capacity on the west coast was too expensive. Luckily, the capacity on the west coast is now cheaper as well. Mm. Um, so we've got good redundancy on the east and west coast. But this just adds another line of redundancy across to across to the US. Uh, I'll be interested to see how many South African ISPs take advantage of the capacity on on SACS to um, to deliver services. Yeah, I'm sure it'll also become a price, uh, you know, very much a price thing among um, those guys that buy, the companies that buy uh, capacity on these lines. You know? yeah, yeah. Good deals, good specials, and uh, at the end of the day, hopefully the consumer wins. Yes. And we've got two more cables um, in the planning stages across the uh, the South Atlantic. Uh, Saks was the first ever submarine cable across the South Atlantic Ocean, which is quite remarkable. Um, but there's a company called Seaborne Networks, which is building something called SABR or SABR. Um, that's uh, in the advanced planning stages and will run from Cape Town, I think, to uh, Fort Laser as well, if I'm not mistaken, and then on to Miami. Uh, and then there's the um, SAX cable, South Atlantic Express cable, uh, which I think is in a bit earlier stage of, of development. It's not clear all of these pro- mm. projects will happen. Um, you know, they've got to go through uh, various rounds, various planning stages. Um, and uh, But uh, if they both happen, then we'll have three South Atlantic cables, two of them connected directly to South Africa. It must be a pretty good business seeing that we uh, we're seeing a lot more of these cables being installed. I mean, people putting money in won't do so if, if it's risk. It just shows you, I guess, the global movement to more data. We need more capacity, more throughput, lower latency. Yeah, because of course, the, the robots are coming. <laughs> and uh, they won't, of course, uh, the older cables, the, these cables don't last forever. They've got a useful life, which um, isn't more than about 10 or 15 years, um, maybe 20 if you're lucky. Um, and new technologies come along and, uh, all, you know, yeah. the older cables just, uh, you know, I think, I think it's still running SAT2, but it's a really old cable. Um, SAT2 will eventually be de- decommissioned. If it hasn't already, it might have already been decommissioned. I'm not sure. Uh, SAT3 is a very old cable now. Um, CECOM eventually will have to be decommissioned and uh, the, the investors mm-hmm. will have to make a decision on whether to build a replacement. But the technology, the wavelength technology that, um, mm. that gets employed on these on these submarine systems improves at uh, sort of Moore's law type speeds. Um, uh, they talk, you know, they talk about um, 10G, uh, 40G, 100G wow. technologies. Um, this is the uh, dense wave division multiplexing technology that basically crams more data over um, a piece of optical fiber, and it just keeps improving and improving. Um, I think they're talking up to 400 um, wavelength, te- 400G wavelength technology, and no doubt it'll yeah. get, go, it'll it'll keep advancing. So um, some of the cable systems that are being built now are 72 terabits per second in design capacity uh, maybe in wow. five years we're going to be talking um, we're going to be talking petabit per second um, cables now those are all beautiful words that you spoke there I can't wait for that <laughs> <laughs> but I guess again nerdgasm you know, nerdgasm yeah but I mean it's, it's all again going to show that the technology that's driving this and, and what we the kind of stuff we'll need I mean we're going to be talking about gigabit to the home in a few few years and say that's a minimum entry requirement for anything mm. um, uh, it's exciting times and I'm glad we're seeing these things as they happen as they roll out it's like we're living out a sci-fi movie yeah for sure for sure Rehad, you have an interesting looking story here um, Microsoft is building an operating system um, it seems to be built into Windows, if I can, if I understand. Yeah, it. they actually they actually bought a company. Um, so the robotic oh. operating system is is a company that they bought a while back. 
Um, but it's, uh, so they're building it into Windows and, and what they're essentially doing, so, so the robotic operating system is essentially a set of libraries and tools that allow people to build robots or help them program robots. Um, and it's used, you know, the factories, people using it for cinematography. It's quite popular now, movies, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I mean, any application, anybody tinkering with robots from home use to industrial use you know at some point will you know this this is the kind of thing that's it's, it's aimed at them and it's just making it more accessible based on a windows operating system um f- f- they cite your security reasons but i mean obviously looking at the the larger internet of things ecosystem here too you know when robotics mm. all, all of the stuff is going to start interacting i guess it makes sense for windows to 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 put a lot of the efforts behind this too um you know windows has improved dramatically over the last few years it is um it's actually a really good operating system um and it's very hard to find fault with apart from some ui stuff you know but the underlying operating system is fantastic so yes uh it's it's a very very developer centric uh obviously sure release this This isn't something that you're going to be programming your lego with Uh, you'll use something (laughs) like mindstorms for that um, but the fact that they of, uh, that they that they're looking at this as um, you know as, as a venture for them as something that they're going into is very exciting. Um, anybody that's interested, we'll drop a link below. Uh, it's, it's not really a straightforward link. Ross Win dot Visual Studio, but uh, well worth checking out if you're into robotics and seeing what they're doing. Um, I'm fortunately, unfortunately, not uh, the you know, the right head, uh, the right mind for robotics, but uh, I find it fascinating nonetheless, and mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye on this. Without a doubt. I think the question to ask here is, what do we think about our robot overlords running Windows? Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's, okay, so, so fortunately we know that the, the robots won't be running Windows. Uh, this will just obviously be a platform to talk to them um, or to program them or to actually then you know, manage some of the communication. Um, but yeah, we, I think we need to, when it comes to the operating system, we'll probably find a lot of, um, a lot of smaller operating systems running our robots. I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, having Windows there, like we said, it's, it's a slightly better operating system. So I feel a little bit better about that. <laughs> but man, I'm glad they didn't announce this in uh, Windows ME edition. That would have been a disaster. <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember that OS? <laughs> I actually have a disc. I found a disc here the other day that I want to mount somewhere. I've actually got a copy as well somewhere. Yeah. I, um, I remember when it came, disaster. It's a bit of an aside, but I remember when uh, when it came out. I was running Windows ninety eight. Quite happy with Windows ninety eight, although, mm. although in hindsight now it was a terrible OS. But uh, me, Windows me came out, and you know I'm a techie, so I've got to have the latest. So I went and actually bought this thing uh, retail at CNA. I think it cost me six hundred rand, if I remember correctly. Sure, it was expensive at the time. And I installed it, and um, I was I was I, I was crying into my beer for months after that. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. I just got the hell in, and I went back to Windows ninety eight. Uh, didn't you go to Windows two thousand at some point? Because I went to Windows two thousand with a lot of my geek friends, because that was kind of when when Emmy fell so horribly. Mm. That was that was kind of the the next operating system that was a lot more stable and solid for for those of us that did more than just yeah. you know, gaming. We were doing other things in the operating system that we wanted that stability. Windows two thousand. The problem with Windows two thousand is it wasn't good for gaming. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Mm. But uh, you, I mean, you could still make it work if you had to. You um, could, but it was. A but uh, yeah, for us, it was more about you know stability, running networks. To, you know, back when networking was all the rage. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to do that. Uh, use that operating system for that. But yeah, we've come such a such a long, far away from then. I'm we so have glad. indeed. Yeah. Now I went straight from. Well, I went to Windows Me, then I went back to 98, and then I jumped to Windows XP. 
Yeah. And yeah. Windows XP compared to Windows 98 was a major leap forward. <laughs> yeah, it also had its problems initially. It um, did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I guess, you know, the architecture kind of just improved. It was a much better platform for them. Yeah. No, it, was a pr- it was the first version of... Um, it was the first version of uh, of the Windows NT base that was running a um, consumer-like interface. Yes, yes, that was it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then then uh, we do digress here. But the Windows Mobile operating system, that first one, yeah. looked just like the Windows Desktop operating system, but it yes. was a disaster yes. in terms of running it. Yeah, oh, good days. Good days. Remember the Compaq iPack. Yes. Oh, it's one of my favorite geeky devices. <laughs> I love that thing, but it was, it it needed so much attention and care, um, and it always broke and always did mm. things you didn't expect it to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We have come a long way, haven't we, Rahul? Oh yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> and now people still run Linux. I don't understand that. How does that even? How is that still a thing? Well, Linux powers the world servers. <laughs> yeah, but I mean desktop. I've seen a few guys recently still running it in desktop. I mean, I guess these are developers, but it, it's yeah. still quite. Uh, Nice to see it in the wild. Uh, yeah, yeah. Never in my wildest dreams that I think it'll become uh, like yeah. that. There's still hardcore users out there. Um, mm. I think a few of few of them uh, listen to the show. Hi, Martin. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, um, yeah, it's uh, Windows has become a very stable, um, a very stable uh, platform, and um, I think that uh, especially if you're a gamer, Linux is and, and you're not technical. Linux isn't really an option. But um, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. Linux has come a long way as well. Um, it's uh, you know I install. Um, some distributions of Linux occasionally in a virtual machine mm. on my Windows computer just to see what it, what it looks like. And it's um, they've made a lot of progress over the years as well. It's certainly a nice-looking operating system. I thought when I first saw it um, on a particular desktop the other day, I was I thought it was maybe a you know for the for, for at first glance it seemed like a, a Mac, a new version of Mac or something. You know, mm. it was very smooth Windows, nice-looking feel operating system. Um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, Never got into that, you know, the command line thing, yeah, it was never my, yeah. you know, it was never I, my thing. I ran, I ran Linux as my primary operating system for about a year back in uh, the early 2000s. Um, and uh, I had, it, it was so, you know, unless you really know your way around Linux command line, it is, it is quite difficult. You, certainly back then, I think it's much less so now, but certainly back then you had to drop down to the command line a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, and there was always an issue with getting a driver to work, or there wasn't a driver available. Um, whereas on Windows, it was you know you typically could find a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, I just said, okay, you know, this was a fun experiment, um, but I'm going, I'm going back to I'm going back to Windows. <laughs> Sometimes things just need to work, and that's why I still love Apple. But yeah, at some, at some point, you just need more than just the basic mm-hmm. work. You know, you want to be able to do more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, especially looking at robotics, just coming back to the story quickly, you know, yep. it's, uh, if you look at, especially with Lego Mindstorms, um, the Raspberry Pi, they, I don't know if you've been keeping track with Raspberry Pi, but people are doing some really incredible things with it. Um, and this is all leading up to, you know, home automation, the IoT, the Internet of Things, you know, just having these little devices give us data that we do stuff with. Uh, we we are going to be doing a lot more in terms of robotics, whether we knowingly do it or whether we're just tinkering with some technology that has robotics mm-hmm. underlying, uh, some robotics uh, underli- system underlying. Uh, um, yeah, we're gonna. It's definitely worth keeping on robotics. And if you have kids, mm. get them on that stuff now because it's mm. going to be it's the new programming language or the new programming. Um, it's the future industry. Yeah. Um, and of course, embedded Linux is going to be huge in that space. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the code at the back is never is never going to go away. We're always going to need that. Yeah. And uh, if you if you have the that that experience, it's all yeah, it's better for you. I wish I did that. Yeah. I wish I kept up with my programming skills back in the day. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have the mind for it. Um, maths is not my strong suit. I think maths is a is an important uh, part of uh, just logic and maths. Is, mm. You know, logic and and yeah, kind of trouble trouble solving. You know, how do you f- how do you tell something to do something without being able to tell it to do something? Yes. And that's basically what it comes down to. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's a reason I'm a writer and not a programmer. <laughs> yeah, I also fell in love with the words. <laughs> anyway, that's this week's news. Uh, let's move on to our regular features. Our winner, for the reasons I actually set out a bit earlier this week, is President Sol Ramaphosa for putting pressure on uh, the Department of Telecommunications and Postal Services to get on with the licensing of Spectrum. It's crucial to the economy. The president seems to realize that, and uh, we're going to name him as our winner this week for um, for getting on top of it as the president, which is fantastic news. Mm. And our loser this week is another South African, uh, Mr. Elon Musk, who um, is in a bit of trouble again uh, over those tweets that he sent out about, uh, I don't know, it must have been about two months ago now, saying that he was going to take Tesla private, that he'd received funding for this and was going to do it at $420 a share. Turns out it wasn't true. Uh, and the SEC has come after him, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and he has now been forced into an agreement with the SEC. Uh, that he, uh, both he and Tesla will pay $20 million in fines each, and he will step down as the chairman of Tesla within 45 days and is not eligible to return to the chairmanship of the company for th- a period of th- at least three years. Um, yeah. But in exchange for this, he's able to keep his job as CEO of the company he um, – did he found it? I can't remember now. I think he might have invested it and built it. But um, – mm. But uh, Elon Musk, um, I think, lay off at Twitter for a while, dude. <laughs> Look, he doesn't have much to lose. He's just going to give him more time to focus on SpaceX, which, which let's be honest, is probably the, the better investment in the long term. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't – I mean, you'll see, you know, when you're looking at somebody in a position like that, it's not really going to impact what they're doing. His plan's still going to get executed uh, regardless. And it's, it's better corporate I governance. It's, it's better corporate yeah. governance to have an independent chairman anyway. Um, yeah, I, I exactly. I don't know why the Americans um, are, are allow the CEO to also be the chairman of the organization, uh, of the board of directors. It's a it's governance it's a governance issue. I mean, we've got strict mm, rules in South mm. Africa about um, about the CEO not um, also being the chairman, um, and uh, so I, th- I think that uh, I think that um, I think it's good for for Tesla, and it's actually going to work out well for them. But. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it was all this uh, drama necessary. Did um, Elon Musk really have to uh, go after the short sellers, which is really what he was doing, the short mm. sellers in Tesla stock, uh, and, um, and and tweet out the stuff, which wasn't was, which was half baked at, at best. Um, he needs to think Funny. these things through more clearly and um, maybe smoke less weed on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you definitely use the right word there, half-baked. Apparently that that number was not just a thumb suck. It was actually he wanted to make a joke. It's in reference to 420 with uh, marijuana culture. And he thought it would be funny. He thought his girlfriend would laugh at it. And that's why that 420 came to be. And his girlfriend is, is a singer Grimes, right? 
Um, uh, yeah, I think so. I, don't know. I googled yeah. her the other day. And, uh, <laughs> I, I knew nothing about her, but uh, she looks a little on the eccentric side, to put it mildly. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, when you have everything you want, then eccentricity is probably you know what you crave, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Elon Musk doesn't lack eccentricity himself, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, yeah. oh yeah. But I think it's great, great that he's not leaving Tesla. Yeah, I think he's, despite his eccentricities, he's doing amazing things and. Uh, uh, let's um, let's hope he can carry on with them. Um, just um, maybe he needs to dial 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 some of his uh, urges back a little bit because um, they're <laughs> going to get into get him into trouble if he's not careful. I mean, he is in a lot of trouble with the SEC, um, but he doesn't want more trouble after this. But Tony Stark's above the law, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still on planet Earth. Maybe that's why he needs to get SpaceX up and running quicker so he can rule from uh, from outer space and nobody can govern him. Yeah, he can be the dictator of planet <laughs> Mars. Planet, uh, yeah. <laughs> mile above, mile, a mile above the Earth is his domain. Yeah. So you see this, um, this uh, space tourist that he signed up to go on this trip around the moon. Uh, the Japanese guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forget his name, but um, I, I saw in the, uh, he made a remark at the press conference that he might go with him. Musk might go with him on this oh, trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look, I mean, that certainly would be an incredible. And, and also, if, you, if you're comfortable enough with your own technology and you'll do it yourself, definitely. Then uh, as the billionaire, I'm sure he's feeling a little bit more at ease too. <laughs> so obviously risks involved though. The um, mm. uh, last thing we need is for Elon Musk to blow up uh, on yeah. this trip. But uh, but um, it'd be pretty amazing. And given that he's said he's thinking about doing it, I suspect that means he's mm. going. Oh, yeah. But I think, I think we've got the tech now. I mean, if, if, if at any point in history, if we could send people to the moon with a calculator computing, you know, a computing power of a calculator, mm. imagine what we can do with – I mean, imagine the stuff that we haven't even seen yet, you know, not the, you know, the kind of the space craft that's not publicly viewable, you know, mm -hmm. the technology that they don't share with us. I'm sure there's some cool stuff that uh, will make the f this a very fun adventure rather than a tedious uh, trip. <laughs> <laughs> what is your pick this week? Uh, so I've been playing with another mirrorless camera. Uh, this time it is the Sony Alpha A6300. And it's a pretty cool camera. I've, I've really been trying to get convince myself to go mirrorless, and that's why I've been really getting some hands-on time with a few of these uh, mirrorless cameras that's uh, in the market now. I'm not 100%. I, I don't know if it's me or if it's just the manufacturers, but uh, I still think we can, there can be so much done, so much more with the mirrorless technology, you know, in terms of the, the, you know, just the specs. But anyway, as it is, the Sony Alpha A6300 is, is, a, is a great camera. I mean, it's for 16,500 rand. Um, it's a 16-50 to 50 millimeter lens, uh, obviously removable. Um, very nice, large 24-point Two megapixel sensor, and uh, what I use it for a lot was shooting video, and it can do so at 4K um, with at 30 frames a second. And if you shoot 1080p, which I really like, or which I normally do, um, you can also shoot at 120 frames a second, which is great for those video makers out there. Um, in terms of mirrorless, like I said, I'm still not 100% sold on it. I do like the technology, but the fact that you know, if you're buying a new camera and you're going to invest in new lenses and stuff, it's it's, it's mm -hmm. a different story. But somebody like me who's got some old lenses, I'm still finding myself wanting to go back to an old SLR body. Um, not just not just for the lenses, but just the usage of it. I've, I just find the technology 
from a crafting point of view, shooting photos, shooting video, you know, it's very much about the tool you use. And I, I still need to play a little bit more with these Marilla cameras. But the Sony Alpha is, I mean, is one of the best ones I've played with so far. And it's a really good price at 6,500 Rand. You get a lot of value mm-hmm. for it um, compared to some of the other cameras. I think the new, um, the new Canon's coming out is going to be over 30,000 Rand. Now, obviously, that's slightly different spec device. But Sony has really been one of the best manufacturers when it comes to, um, compact or cameras for videographers. They've really taken on the market because they shoot amazing still photographs and they've got really good video capabilities. So that's why you've seen a lot of these things um, behind the scenes at video shoots yeah. um, and in the hands of creatives because they are so so um, versatile. So at 16.7, at it's definitely one of the best-priced um, um, really high sp- or good spec cameras um, that I would recommend for anybody who wants something that is not just your average camera. But for me personally, I still need to play with a few more, you know, just to get to, to understand if if that's where I want to go with my yeah. next big purchase in terms of a camera. Yeah, well, it's, it's really good to see Sony uh, giving um, Canon and Nikon a, a run for their money because you know I think the I think Nikon and Canon got a bit complacent over mm. the years mm. and Sony really came from nowhere didn't they and um, yeah. challenged the two incumbents and it's forcing uh, Nikon and Canon to up their game um, I don't think they, these companies would even be looking at mirrorless cameras if it wasn't for Sony oh yeah oh, yeah. I mean again you know the reason why companies should be going mirrorless is you don't, you don't need that extra bulk of movable parts right so yeah. immediately you get a smaller body but you should in theory be able to push the technology giving you you know because your sensor is much closer to the lens there's a lot more you can do in terms of, uh, the, you know, the, the mounting different lenses because you don't have, you know, you don't have to um, ad- adapt for each type of lens manufacturer. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of good reasons why we want to go mirrorless, apart from, you know, the obvious technology benefit to it. But yeah, let's just hope. Sony is one of the few guys that get it right, and, and I do like this camera a lot, but I still prefer a good old SLR in my hands. Uh, maybe it's just an old school, mm-hmm. old school person in me. But again, I, I'm going to be playing with a lot more. This has been the best one so far that I've played with um, well, in I'm, terms of something that's within my budget. I'm very glad to hear you say um, that uh, you're still a fan of DSLR since I have just invested in one. Um, <laughs> um, spent a, a good few bucks buying a, 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 a Nikon DSLR. So I'm, mm-hmm. uh, it was literally just after I bought it that um, the, the talk about mirrorless taking over from DSLR started to really yeah. emerge so I was uh, starting to get buyer's remorse but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that DSLR is, uh, has got a future and um, you're still keen oh, yeah, on no, the definitely. It, it's, it's, it's like uh, you can almost compare it to a muscle car versus Tesla right mm-hmm. I mean they both get you where you want to go the one just if you if you want a little bit more noise and you want the smell of petrol and you just want those tires burning <laughs> I guess you can do it with the Tesla too but the muscle car is generally the, the harder drive it's, it's you're doing it for the enjoyment of the ride where right. something like the Tesla right it's you're moving away from actually driving the vehicle which you still do but it's more about the comfort the technology it's using battery power I know so with with a mirrorless camera there's a lot of tech in there that makes a lot of fun to use obviously everything you can do with a normal SLR hmm. But they can push it so much further, especially when it comes to focusing, auto-focusing, um, and how you process an image and where it, and, and kind of the stuff that you overlay if you want to do filters straight out of the camera. Um, but is that maybe too much for somebody who just wants to take photographs? And I would, for somebody like you, I would argue yes, even for me. You know, I just want, you know, I want something that's comfortable that I can just do my job. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the more I play with it, I'm sure eventually I will. Get to like I will it. Get to like and invest some money in it. But for now, I think it's still DSLR. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. 
So my pick this week is um, something I've picked previously, uh, but I'm picking it again because version 2.0 is out, and it is such a major uh, move forward for the platform. And it's the my day-to-day driver of a web browser. Uh, it's called Vivaldi, and version 2 was released this week, and it has um, taken the, the what was a very a, already a very good web browser forward very nicely indeed. Um, it's now got full sync capabilities, uh, fully encrypted mm. sync. Um, and uh, it's a what I love about Vivaldi. Well, also the, the other big improvement is that they have dramatically improved the speed of uh, of the web browser. So we're now talking Chrome-like speeds nice, in terms of startup nice. and stuff. Um, but it's it's a it's a power user's web browser, so it allows you to do much more than many other web browsers will allow. Um, so, for example, you can do things like tab stacking. That's putting nice. little tabs on top of other tabs, um, uh, which is very useful if you're a, if you're someone like me who finds they mm-hmm. have 400 tabs open. So, if you can stab tax based stack tabs based on uh, you know a particular website or something you're researching, it's very helpful indeed, and it's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. You simply drag mm-hmm. tabs on top of each other to merge them and create stacks. Um, but the the browser is is really good. Um, it allows you to fully customize it in terms of themes and exactly how you want it to look. It's got um, extensive keyboard shortcuts, mouse gesture shortcuts. Um, it does tons of stuff. Um, uh, I can't go through it all all now, but uh, <laughs> um, it's it's built on top of Chromium, um, so you can use Chrome extensions. Um, I haven't yet to find a Chrome extension that does not work in in Vivaldi. Nice. Um, and it's, you know, I really enjoy it. And um, with, with version 2.0, I will not be going back to Chrome or any other web browser for the foreseeable future. Um, it's um, It actually makes browsing the Internet and using the a web browser as a, mm. as a power platform a real day-to-day pleasure. So I can't speak highly enough of Vivaldi 2.0. If you haven't tried this web browser, you're doing yourself a disservice, particularly if you're a power user. Sold to the highest bidder. I'm definitely going to install it right now. <laughs> I remember you speaking about it before, but it, I, I, I kind of appreciated it, but I wasn't really, uh, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't ready to install it. It just didn't have what I wanted. But yeah. I think these new features, and I've literally just installed it now. I've got it running on my machine. just need to import my bookmarks. Yeah, um, yeah. You sounds like a... It's got a very nice new setup process. Just make sure you mm. go through that setup process when you when you start. It'll help you set up mm. the browser mm. the way you want it. Um, but then go th- make what you should do with Vivaldi um, is invest the time to go through the, every settings option, and you'll be blown away with, about what you can do with this browser. Um, just go through every option yeah, and settings, nice. and, and you'll get a real feel for why this is a power user's browser and why I'm such a fan of it. It's a nice looking. I mean, the, the settings tab that I'm checking out yet. It's a nice looking. Anybody can kind of. It seems. It seems like overcomplicated, or it seems like it could be complicated, but uh, you know, it's a nice user interface. You can just click on layout options. It's as simple as co- or as complicated as you want it to be. Um, whereas I think Chrome has gone for the simplicity option. Let's make it as simple as possible, um, mm, with with mm. with perhaps not much customization uh, options. Um, Vivaldi, if you just use it as a basic web browser, is simple. But it allow, it gives you that level of complexity, that level of, of granular control over the browser, so you can really customize it um, in the way you want to. to. Nice. So you know you can you can do every anything from having your own wallpapers, your own color themes. Um, you can you can put the tabs wherever you want on the left or right, top or bottom of the screen. Um, fully customizable. Mm-hmm. Um, now this was co-founded by a guy called John von Techner, who was also the co-founder and former CEO of Opera, um, which is a a browser which has never really gained massive market share on the desktop, um, but is, is huge on mobile. Now, John 
um, uh, Fontechner. I have an interview, a podcast interview with him coming up this Tuesday. So uh, we'll be talking all about um, why he started Vivaldi, what he thinks about the future of the web. Nice. And uh, all the rest of it. So uh, look out for that Tuesday. May publish it Wednesday, but um, more than likely we'll publish it on Tuesday evening. Um, so I'm looking forward to that interview with John Fontechner, the CEO of, of Vivaldi. Um, and um, I'll try not to gush too much over about his body, <laughs> about his web browser in the podcast. <laughs> but we'll find out where he's going with it and what he thinks about nice. what he thinks about the web. And uh, um, we'll have a good good chat. I'm looking forward to that discussion. I think we're definitely going to see a lot more in the browser wars again because you know the internet. We know where the internet's going. Everything is going to be housed online, right? It's mm. now it's now the, the the true era of the browser because it's the window to the internet. So the better your browser and the, and the more in-depth that experience can be. So for developers, if they can get all those cool developer tools built in. For somebody like me, I want some other stuff like I see the image editing in information or the image information stuff you can get with Vivaldi is pretty good. Um, and that's really what's important, right? You want that experience on the web to be as powerful as you need it to be. Because that's your interface. Yeah, it's not just a screen. It's not just a screen. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in our web browsers. Um, if you're a, if you're a developer, you probably spend a, mm. a, you know a, a very large chunk of your time in your web browser. Um, as a journalist, a tech journalist, I spend um, I'm probably fifty percent of my time when I'm sitting at my desk in my web browser. Um, and do you type? Do you type in um, Google Docs or anything like that? Do you write your articles in online, or do you still use offline? No, Word? I still I still use Word, but um, quite often I use the online version of Word, which has advanced a lot. It's at the same level, mm-hmm. if not better, than Google mm-hmm. Docs now. Um, so if I'm collaborating on documents, then I often end up using either Google Docs or Word online. Mm-hmm. Um, I still prefer offline mail, though. Yeah, no, for sure. There's just something about having having a proper outlook like experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, the internet and the browser. But uh, Opera was also a great browser back in the day. I, I really enjoyed using it. They did pioneer a few interesting things too. Did, I can't remember did. which ones they were, but I remember thinking we need this type of functionality and then eventually everybody rolled it out. Yeah. One of the nice things, by the way, about um, um, about Vivaldi is, um, and it was in the previous version as well, but they made some tweaks to it. If you on a, a web page, all you have to do is take the tab at the top of the page and then drag it to the panel on the left, and it brings up something called, I think they call them web tiles or web panels, I forget which, but it'll create a little icon for that website. And if you click on that, you'll get a over screen overlay over your existing web page that you're on, and you can zoom in and out of that. So you can create two separate web pages in on the same screen, uh, mm-hmm. And compare the two of them. So, um, oh, cool. or, or you can create. If you've got a large monitor, it's fantastic because you can fire up like Twitter, for example, um, across le- left hand portion of the screen and nice. pull in something on the right hand portion of the screen, so that you've actually got multiple websites running at the same time, which is which is sometimes quite useful. You don't need it all that the time. That is handy. Yeah, yeah, that's very handy because alternative would would be to have multiple windows open on multiple monitors. And yes. That's what I have had to do in the past. Yes, especially if if you're writing and you want something for research or you referencing something or you know there's a there's a lot of reasons why that second web page needs to be open at you, you know i've yeah. built a lot of websites so having that that reference site there or change that you need to make in real time um, yeah it's a very cool feature no, i'm gonna have to try it out i mean particularly if you're using an online word processor like google docs you could have half the screen dedicated to the word document you're working on and the left hand panel could um 
it could be a, a you know something you're reading on the web that you're researching mm, to mm, to mm. write your article. Exactly, exactly. Um, but it's fully customizable, and um, if you haven't tried Vivaldi, or if you, even if you tried it before and decided it wasn't for you, grab version two because it's um, a major leap forward. Uh, and I would um, go as to say, go as far as to say, and I know this is a subjective comment, but I would go as far as to say that it's the best desktop web browser available today. Get it here, folks, first. <laughs> <laughs> I will stop gushing about it now. Um, more on that on Tuesday with uh, my interview with John Fontech, and look out for that podcast. And uh, apart from our quiz results and our song pick of the week, I think we're almost done. Um, let's do our quiz results. Uh, the first question this week, the sax cable went live this week <laughs> with commercial traffic. Which two countries does it directly connect? And the answer is Angola and Brazil. The second question, Huawei will launch a new flagship smartphone in October to compete directly with Samsung Galaxy Note 9 and Apple's iPhone XS Max. What is it called? And the answer is the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. I'm looking forward to seeing that phone, actually. Um, the, the P20 Pro this year was a very good device. Mm-hmm. I'm due for an upgrade in the not-too-distant future, and I refuse to pay Apple's prices. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Mate 20 Pro. I think it might uh, be my next phone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how much did? Oh, sorry. How much has the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission fined Elon Musk for tweets saying that he ex- secured the funds to take Tesla private at four hundred and twenty dollars a share, and that's twenty million dollars. And the fourth question: Which role Musk must relinquish within forty-five days as part of the SEC settlement? And the answer is the chairmanship of Tesla's board of directors, freeing him up to spend more time on the beach and. Uh, Dream of space, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) And which South African retailer this week released an update to its smartphone app that allows for in-app shopping and checking availability of stock in store? And that's Woolworths. Nice, nice. I can't wait to try that one out as well. Yeah, I'm going to. I've installed the app. I'm going to look look forward to. I look forward to playing it. Hopefully the delivery fees aren't too high. Um, mm, mm. Hopefully there are no delivery fees at all, but I doubt that. <laughs> but also just to check, I, I, the, the stock checking thing I find very interesting because various stores have various products, various Woolworths yes. stores have various Woolworths products, and you often don't find them unless you pop into another one and then you forget where you got it. So for those little weird art products that only Woolworths often sells in terms of food, you know, they've got some really interesting stuff. I think this is going to be a nice, uh, nice feature to have. Indeed, indeed. And that's our show. Um, it's my turn to pick a song this week. And um, I was trying to keep with our uh, our theme of recent weeks of playing South African music. And um, so I was playing around in Spotify a bit earlier and um, doing a bit of Googling and uh, trying to find out something new and different. And I came across this band. Now, I actually have no... I didn't think I'd heard of them, but I actually remember the name somewhere some time ago. They're called Blackjacks, and that's spelled B-L-K-J-K-S. They're a black progressive rock band, uh, two members from the East Rand, two members from Soweto. Pretty good stuff. So have a listen to this. And uh, until next week, from Rechad and myself, uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend and the week to come. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.